On today's episode, I sit down with Albuquerque Business Podcast host Jason Rigby. We talk fairs, the state of business in Albuquerque, and what was it that saved the New Mexico State Fair? All this and more. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Fair Game, the fair industry's premier podcast experience with your host, Robert Smith. Hi, my name is Jason Rigby and welcome to the Albuquerque Business Podcast. Today on our show, we have a very special guest and I want to say, what is a fortune telling machine, a magician, the state (laughs) fair and digital marketing? How does that go all hand in hand? So stick around and we'll get with that. First, I want to let you know one of our sponsors, 99.9 The BFM. That's 99.9 The BFM. You can go to their website at 99thebfm.com. If you live in Albuquerque, tune into 99.9 FM. And also, we want to thank Duke City Marketing. If you're looking at doing Facebook ads, Twitter ads, Snapchat, whatever it is, pay-per-click, please don't hesitate to go to www.dukecitymarketing.com. That's www dukecitymarketing.com well we have in the house today mr robert smith hello hey, robert how hey hey how are you good good he's an entrepreneur you build a brand as um i don't know would you i mean you started out as an entertainer you know, i still Fairness. am i still yeah. am yeah i got my um I actually my start in entertainment came back in 97 when i entered this goofy talent show <laughs> at cibolo where i graduated from and it, so you're from and, here yeah i grew oh, up cool. in albuquerque and and i won this talent show doing a couple of magic tricks and so i started my career in magic um and then worked my way into the fair industry oh that's awesome yeah, and then um, I've noticed on your website. What's your website again? Well, we got a couple of them. So nowadays, uh, if you just the main thing, if you go to robertsmithpresents.com, you can pick up either of our um, entertainment attractions that we've got. Right. So one is um, Conjure Fortune Machine, which we can talk about here in a second. The other is Play with Giants, which is like a giant game and activity fun oh, zone. Like we fun, just yeah. started. Uh, it's primary. We just started rolling it out this past year for fairs. Right. And then last fall, we actually started rolling it out here locally in Albuquerque for game rentals for right. corporate events or weddings or parties or things like that. Right. And I saw on what's the website where you have um, where you're t- you're you're doing like presentations for digital marketing. Yeah. So that's meetrobertsmith.com. M E E T. Um, that was probably not the best thought out thing to have like silent letters <laughs> in my name <laughs> and the website name, but, uh, meet as an introduction, robertsmith.com. And, and that's where I get into a lot of my social media, digital marketing content. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, Instagram and, and building your brand and things like that. Right, right, right. Oh, perfect. So you grew up here in Albuquerque. Yes. Born and raised. Uh, I was born in New Jersey, but I was raised here in New Mexico. Oh, okay. Yeah. What what was that transition? Because I was like, it's all it's interesting how many people have, you know, transitioned and then they get into the land of yeah. enchantment or entrapment. Right. Um, so were your parents from yeah. New Jersey? Yeah. So my, my our whole family going back for hundreds of quadrillions of years, <laughs> they were all from New Jersey. Somehow we never got the accents. Uh, but I, I obviously didn't get the accent. I was 10 months old. I, was, I wasn't even a year old when right, my parents right. moved west. Um, my dad is, is a retired Episcopal priest. And oh. way back then, back in the, let's see, that was like 1980, that my parents moved out. And somewhere in the late 70s, they'd taken a trip out to New Mexico. Um, and 
they fell in love with it. And mm. so dad started looking for opportunities and uh, he got hired at a church out here. Oh, awesome. Um, spent the rest of his career out here. Um, I grew up. So he retired as a minister here in the Episcopalian Church? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Cool. He retired um, like just over a decade ago. Oh, he okay, got out. Awesome. Um, but. Yeah, I grew up. I graduated from Cibola. I went to, stayed in school locally. Went to ENMU out in Portales, and started building my career that way. Oh, that's awesome. Let's get a little bit into. So, um, it seemed like from what I was looking at when I went over your website, it seemed like you were a magician first, going and in, in entering into the fairs. Yeah. How does that work? That process. If some, if somebody out there wanted to do something and get into a fair, maybe like our local state fair or whatever, how right. how does that process go? Okay, so the first thing, a lot of people, this question comes up hundred, thousands of times in the career of an entertainer. Um, and the answer that's given is often like, well, you know, you need to have good marketing and you need to, da, 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 da. you need to have an act. Mm, right. Like the number of people, and this is one of the things I found with magic that was so difficult, the number of people that can just literally go to a local magic shop or get online now on Amazon or whatever and right, buy right. a box of magic tricks and then they're like, oh, I'm a magician because I can do these tricks, but that doesn't mean you have an act. Right. So for me, um, I I would recommend somebody have an act that's well rehearsed uh, and, and they know what they're doing with it. Right. And then if you really want to get into fairs and you want longevity, like if you just want a one-off and, you, and you're local, you just want to try and pick up the New Mexico State Fair, um, then you need to try and build a relationship with them, get to know who their entertainment buyers are, what their needs are, right. and whether you're even a fit. But for somebody like me who wants to be able to serve either regionally or nationally right. or even internationally, there are conventions all over the country um, like IAFE, which is the International Association of Affairs and Expositions. They're, they just opened um, their new convention in San Antonio. They've been in Las Vegas for 40 plus years. They just moved to San Antonio in December. Next week, um, we drive out to Reno, Nevada for the Western Fairs. Oh, and so okay. that's mostly West Coast. And then there's smaller states. A lot of states have their own. Texas Fairs just finished their convention. So you got to pick where you want to go. And then you need to get on, join their membership, right. go typically want to get a trade show booth if you don't want to do that first year but you want to kind of get your feet wet just go register uh as a as an attendee right and go meet people mm, right so it's, it's like the it's kind of basically like still old school networking 100 percent. oh 100%. yeah that's like and as much marketing as i do obviously nowadays there's a lot you can do with social media to get fair's attention and the very fact that you have a process of engaging on social media and you know how to do it is attractive right. to fairs because fairs want to here's an example one entertainment director i spoke to in the last year told me that the reason they booked me is because one the act is good obviously you got to right. have that quality product up front but they also like the fact that because i am so active on social because i know how to promote my stuff right they're at a larger fair and when they've got 40 or 50 or 60 different acts that are coming in through the course of their run they don't have time to get out there and produce and content and promote everybody. Right. So the fact that the act can come in and be self-sustaining and create the stuff, and sometimes I create it, I push it out on my page, sometimes I forward the video over to the entertainment person or to their social media person and say, hey, pop this out on your Facebook, right. and it's done in two minutes. They don't have to worry about it. Oh yeah, see that's awesome. So you're making it, not only do you have great content, let's say, but you're also making it very easy for them. Absolutely, and we're starting to see a big run of, of uh, performers. Um, fairs, like anything, like any business, um, you've got multiple tiers of performers. Um, right. And so we have, uh, 
really solid block of performers in the fair industry that are business professionals that really know what the heck they're doing um, and they're committed they're in it for the long game right you've got people that need uh, need short-term uh, you know cash they want to create their business and jumpstart it and they're going to use this as the uh, the way to jumpstart something to go to cruise ships or corporate or something there you could everybody's got their place and their lane niche, right, yeah right. and their niche within the industry but we're starting to see um, a good run of performers that get the social media thing that um, I, I, honestly no one will promote you as well as you do you know your story right exactly. and so for a lot of us like for me for now coming into 2019 every fair that I do I create a commercial ahead of time that I deploy on my stuff on my channels and I also send the file over to the fair and say hey put it on your website put it on your social your Twitter your whatever right and then they're like wait this you, but it's not saying hey come see conjure machine at the fair that's one part of the commercial but it's my link like when I put ads out I right. buy ad Facebook ads the link to drives the consumer to the fair's ticket website right so you're helping them out right first primary and then from there exactly right not just making it a commercial all about you of course right yeah that makes it so as we get into a little bit about um, I mean we're we're already getting into the digital marketing side of things with fairs. Sure. can we back step a little bit and tell me um, I've gone to fairs I've never gone to the fair here um, sad to say, but I've only been here a few years from right. um, Seattle. Uh, I've heard different, you know, everybody from Albuquerque tells me different things with New Mexico State right. Fair. Uh, I have gone to the Puyallup Fair. Um, I worked that fair. Oh, have you? 2010. Oh, cool. Yep. Oh, that perfect. was actually the fair. Uh, Andrea, if you ever hear this, God bless you because you gave me the down payment for my house. Yeah. My, my wife was uh, six, see, Nate was born in that December, so six months or so pregnant with right. Nate oh, wow. and that was 2010 and we we bought our house and I went and I laid the sealant on the the garage floor right and that morning and then at two o'clock the afternoon I got a plane on a plane up to SeaTac wow that's crazy it's great and fair. you have um see so how long have you been married for um since 2005 but we've been together now 19 years oh that's awesome yeah and you have one child or we have one one oh, yeah cool. yeah Perfect. yeah but you yeah. were asking, you were asking New Mexico State Fair, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. and I don't, I don't want to shortchange them because they are clients of mine, and they're really wonderful people. So, story on the New Mexico State Fair. You said you hadn't been before. Um, it, any, I'm <coughs> nine years old, and back in the, <laughs> I did that, that. There was a little bit of intent there, <laughs> but back in the day, right? Um, it, people from Albuquerque will tell you way back in the day, like this. The, this state fair is not any different than a lot of other state fairs. They're not necessarily in great areas of the town, right? right. Down there off San Pedro and Lomas in that area is not the best area of Albuquerque. Right. Um, and growing up, that was a fair that I remember that if you had a family, families left by 5 or 6 o'clock. They didn't stay late because it was because that's when the riffraff came out afterwards and the trouble happened and things. It was not a great fair and it had a reputation. And I learned later, even in the fair industry, when I got into it, it had a reputation for not being a great place to be. Yeah, see, that's what I've heard. Like, you know, it's not like Puyallup Fair is. Right. You know, they pride themselves in it being a family fair. Right. And let me tell you this um, I am very much a stickler of where I will take my family and what. Um, environments I will put my son in. Right. Um, so two years ago, not this past September, the previous September, they brought um, they brought Conjure in, and initially I was kind of a little hesitant. But um, my friend uh, Bob, who does the duck races at the fair, right, 
told me a year or so prior, hey, if they ever come at you, you need to consider doing it because it's not the fair that it was when we were younger. And so I was like, okay. So I signed the contract. I go in. The first night I was there, it was just me. My family didn't come out. Um, but I stayed late because I wanted to see what the environment was at the fair after right. dark. And I saw one of the key indicators for that fair managers look for, which is families and strollers. And a lot of them. Mm, and so awesome. looking at, at that fair, it is not. If you're in Albuquerque, if, you're, if you hear this and you're worried about, you haven't gone to the state fair because when you were a kid, it was not a good place to be. That is not the case anymore. Oh, that's and awesome. the two two words change that. Dan Morning. He's their fair manager. He was appointed by Governor Martinez. And so often we see in fairs, it's about leadership. Right. And exactly. Dan and his team completely changed the face of that fair. One of the first things he did when once he was able to was put out an RFP, which is the request for proposal right. for a new ride operator. Um, the previous ride operator um, there were concerns about and so the ride operator that won the bid and is now the ride operator for the New Mexico State Fair is Ridehoffer Shows. They're one of, along with like RCS and a couple others, one of the premier ride operators in the country. And so they, if you were at the fair last year, you know they put in the uh, Skyride, right. which is cool that our RCS took care of that. That wasn't our tax dollars that did that. RCS paid for it. Um, so they've got a really good thing going at the fair. So anybody that's listening that goes, ah, I remember that when I was a kid, you just don't go there. Um, it's a whole new environment. Dan and that team have done an incredible job turning it around. That's awesome. I love to hear stories like yep. that because, um, you know, and, it, and it's sad because it's people that are from here that yep. told me that. Yes. So I, I'm glad yes. that we've got that out there. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll go this year because of that. Yeah, so. you should go check it out. I mean, it's uh, like, I, I mean, like any major event, if you go, if you try to get there at 6 p.m. on a Friday night, it's going to be a madhouse. Right. If you well, want... Like any fair. Yes. Yeah. Whether it's Puyallup or the California State Fair or State Fair of Texas or the, any fair, if you try to go on Friday or Saturday, it's going to be a zoo. Um, if you, if you want to go in and just get a good feel for the fair and what it feels like and not feel completely overwhelmed, then pick a time that's less attended. During the week. Yeah, of course. morning, something like that. Of course. Oh, that's awesome. Well, let's get into a little bit about, if you don't mind, I have a lot of uh, business leaders, entrepreneurs uh, listen to this. Uh, what are What is the most important lesson you've learned from doing business here in Albuquerque? Um, <laughs> this... Uh, Albuquerque, this the whole the state can be tricky to do business in, and I know they've, I know the legislature's tried to make things easier, but so often when politics get involved, the one group that gets something easier, the other group doesn't get something oh, right, easier. Right, right, right. Um, it, this can be really, for my experience, can be a struggle um, in some cases to do business in the state. Um, but if I really go to one thing. Um, that I've learned as a, as a business person here in Albuquerque. And I don't know that I would call myself an entrepreneur. I think I've got uh, an entrepreneurial spirit. Right. Um, I'm not, but I'm not running and employing my own, I don't have employees, I'm not building a lot, like this is, this. I'm self-employed really right, is right. what it is. Um, but I think the, the biggest lesson I've learned once you've realized is that the state is not necessarily totally friendly to business is that your fellow business leaders and other business contacts around the city and the state can be your best assets 
Um, one of the people that I've worked real closely with over the last few years is um, Crystal Ciarza from Ciarza Social Digital. Um, she's done. A, she used to work with the Garrity Group. She left and started her own firm. She's done an incredible job with it. You know, the more you net, like we talked about with the fairs, the more you network and the more you build out the um, your uh, you know the people around you right. and have a strong like. What do they say? Like, wh what is it? Like, you're the your reflection of like the five people or you hang out the most with something, with something right, like that. Right. So, like, if you hang out with people that are doing what you want to do or are successful where you want to be successful. It's more likely to rub off. Crystal's been fantastic. There's several. There are a lot of other people in Albuquerque of, that are great business owners. Right. Um, you know. So I think patience is a real key. Doing business anywhere, whether it's Albuquerque or anywhere, uh, but build out, and it can take time to build it out. That's why you got to be patient. Build out a strong network of people around you, and I think you'll be successful. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that you know Albuquerque is a small town, even though it has a million people. Hundred um, percent. And so that's something that I've I've noticed when I'm talking to business leaders is how much everybody's heard of somebody or knows somebody. Exactly. And then I talked to someone earlier, and they're like, it's almost like the Wild West for business. Right. Um, and so that's kind of something that I've you know, been intrigued by, and I love the word that you're using right now, patience. Totally. You know, because I've noticed Albuquerque's can be, it, it takes time for things to mature. Well, they don't call us manana land for nothing, Mike. <laughs> you know, it, I, and I think part of it, and, and this goes, this is not unique just to Albuquerque. This is some of the Western culture in general, and I think part of it goes, if you look back to our roots, right. when, when this country had westward expansion those people didn't leave the east coast because they were so eager to become farmers and take a sh they wanted to be left alone right you know right. what i mean so like right. literally the western united states was founded on we just want our own shot at life and to be left alone right yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so and i think that's trickled down over the years that it's still like my parents came out of new jersey in the in the early 80s and even for me I get that. Like, there's a whole, eh, we'll get to it attitude. It's right. just what the West is. Right, yeah. No, I, I, I can see that. And I think um, that's what makes it different um, here in Albuquerque. And I don't know you're from here. Uh, we're raised here. But how do you know, like, if, because you basically say you're self employed, but I view you as an entrepreneur because you went and started something from scratch, you know. Um, right. Now, on, on the website, you're talking about like a fortune teller. Can you go through your process of what you have when you bring this product to the fair? Yeah, so Conjure Fortune Machine got its start. The idea was hatched in 2011. Um, my friend Richard Renner out of Kansas, we were at a convention together. I had been doing magic. Magicians in this industry are kind of a dime a dozen. Uh, like I said, you can go to a like you can't go spend a hundred dollars on juggling props and be like I'm a juggler because you're just going <laughs> to drop everything. Right. Exactly. But you can spend a hundred bucks on magic props and in ten minutes be like, oh look, I can do the trick because it's self working. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And so I was like, this is really difficult. One of the business challenges I faced is that in the springtime, from January to the beginning of April, there like there's some fairs in Arizona. Right. There's a couple here and there in Texas. And then the Florida market is going because most of these ride operators winter down in Florida around Sarasota and then they go run a little route around Florida. That's how oh, they make their money in that time right, of year. Right. Nobody's doing a fair in upstate New York in January. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And so in order to compete in Florida, I had to charge a higher fee because I got to cover my air travel, my rental car, sometimes my hotel. When you got to add all those expenses in, right. your price goes up. 
Well, when you've got 500 magicians in Orlando that'll do it for half of your price because mm. they've only got to drive an hour down the road. And that's just, that's the economics of, of business and the economics of geography. So I needed something unique. And with my buddy Richard Renner, I'm like, how can I do like magic more or differently? What do I bring, you know, what, what's a new act right, I could do? Right. And he goes, hey, do you remember the uh, that movie Big with that Zoltar machine and Tom Hanks? And I'm like, yeah, totally. He goes, you should do that. Oh, that's awesome. You should, I'm like, do what? And, and, and Richard goes, no, you should like build a box and you should get in it. You should be Zoltar. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You want me to go from doing a magic show where I can get a couple of 300 people in an audience watching a show at a fair, and now you want me to stand in a box and have like one or two people at a time come up to me? And he was like, yep, totally. I'm like, Richard, that is ridiculous. <laughs> what are you? I'm not doing that. And so he prodded a little bit, and he, the agent we were with at the time, he brings Mark over, and Mark's like, I like the idea, if, but if you don't do it, he's like, I'm going to give you, and this was like May of 2011. He goes, so I'm going to give you until the convention in IFE which was like December right. so I'm going to give you to the end of the year to do it if you don't do it one of these other guys is going to do it we're going to and we're going to run with it like alright these guys have like a combined like 40 or 50 years experience in the fair industry and I at that point I'd been in for like 6 years wow. so I'm like okay I'll take a chance got outside my comfort zone built this box had no idea what I was going to do with it none I knew I was going to get in it and say something <laughs> and give somebody a fortune card. I didn't know what I was going to say. So initially then as it developed, it was like, okay, I got it. So this is going to be like a magic vending machine where people press a button and I do a magic trick and I do a, give them a fortune card. Right. And then I was at an event actually here in Albuquerque at one of the Summerfest events. Like for That's the other thing. For anybody who wants to be a performer, if you want to get into the fair industry but you don't quite have your act ready, local festivals like Summerfest and things like that right. are fabulous because if you screw something up, like you're not messing up on... like The State Fair of Texas entertainment director is not going to be like telling all these other fairs he messed up <laughs> you know so that way it's like right. and comedians do that like before they go on like the tonight show or these big time comedy central they go do these little They're clubs where they can yeah. grind it out and if right. they that joke stinks they just scratch right. it off and nobody's right. any the wiser so anyhow so i i am doing the performance at summerfest and i do a little trick and i hand a lady fortune card and the lady goes oh that's it for the fortune and all of a sudden i was like stunned like You've been standing in line for like 10 minutes. Like you've been like thinking you watched. What do you mean? Is that it? She says to me, I, I guess I just thought you were going to do something else. Like read palms or something. I said, I can read your palm. That was complete hogwash. I, know I, <laughs> I knew nada about that. I'm like, yeah, give me your hand, lady. So I look at her and I give her this <laughs> silly nonsense. Like, but then she goes, oh, I knew it. Like, and I told her like, at the end was like, oh, this is the thing that says if you know if you stick with something long enough, right. like you're about to quit on something, don't quit yet. Right. And that's when she was like, oh, I knew it. Like I told my boyfriend I can't quit yet. I knew I gotta and I'm all, wait, what? <laughs> okay, she just she she goes for this thing. And then the next person comes up, they hit the button like act because I pretend like I'm a machine, right? Right, right. So she hits the button like activate the machine, and I go to pull out a like a card trick, and she goes, Oh no, no, no can you just read my palm? And I'm like, okay. And so a few minutes later, I realize my line is getting longer and longer and longer. I was supposed to do like two 45-minute sets for the city that night. I got stuck in the box for almost four straight hours. Oh, wow. At one point, I asked a couple. I'm like, hey, just curious. How long have you been waiting in line? Thinking they were going to be like, you know, 20 minutes. She goes, oh, like an hour and a half. I don't even wait for Space Mountain in Disneyland know, for an hour and a half. An hour and a half, wow. And like, I'm like, wow, okay, so I'm on to something. So for like two years, 20 mo 24 months, something like that, 
um, I was doing this whole palm reading thing and giving him a fortune card. Right. And then I got to the point where I just started losing my voice all the time. And between that and then I had an incident where there was a lady at a fair who comes up to me. She gets the fortune initially. And it's kind of, it's a silly lighthearted thing, right? Like, right. you know, uh, you better keep an eye on your husband because if he doesn't do the dishes, da, 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 right? It's just trying to be sassy or whatever. Right. And uh, she comes back up to me uh, on my, like my third set of the day at this fair. And she goes, hey, so I know you just kind of do like silly things, but I'm wondering, my dad or my grandfather whoever it was they they he's got cancer and they say he doesn't have much time left can like if you read my palm for real can you see anything about that and i'm like turning white with fear i'm like yeah i'm at a fair serious, right? this yeah. is like i'm making jokes about guys like you know and, and husbands should how they should do the da 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 for their wives or what, like right, right. funny relationship silly stuff right making like corn dogs and cotton candy jokes you know what i mean and so i like broke character for a minute i switched on like a more pastoral side this is one of those talents being a priest kid i picked up for my dad right kind of talked her through this and she and t basically told her you know what you know your your dad would want to know if you're out here with your family that you're having a good time with your family and, right. and kind of segued out of this but after that was my for that fair that was my last show and it was it was five days before I went to do the Los Angeles County Fair which was the biggest contract I'd ever had LA County all like twenty one day however long it is huge con and I'm like Conjure Machine is dead there is no act anymore because I can't go back out and do this again and deal with that because emotionally I was a wreck I'm like right. how, oh, oh yeah, my god course, right. and so I get with my wife I'm driving home from this fair she's on speaker we're brainstorming she's taking notes. And um, by the time, after a, a five-hour drive home, we've got a premise for what Conjure Machine becomes. And now it is what it is now, which is people come up, they hit this button, they get an interaction with Conjure, which is it's an automated interaction, which can be broken up. So whether it's a kid or a, a couple or a senior or what, it's broken down by demographic and it's funny. And then they get a fortune card that has something really meaningful on it. And the fortune cards are killer because I have people come back year two, three years later, when I'm back four years later at a fair, right. and they'll pull it as the guy hits the button, he'll open his wallet and he'll show it to me. He'll go, I saw the one from four years ago. That's so crazy. they dig it, right? Yeah, they, and it's awesome. a unique experience for fairs. Like some fairs are fun. You go to them, there's, there's pig races and there's magicians and jugglers and all that kind of jazz. But this is something you don't. No, you don't ever see it at fair. Unique, this yeah. is very unique, so it's a great experience and, and, for fairs. And it's a, it, it, it's in a vert, almost like in a, a virtual way, you responding to another person. It's like a human to human reaction. It is, and yet without an act, with, with kind of an act, but not really. It is, and yet, yet people still come up and they'll be hesitant. They'll like reach forward to press the button and then pull their arm back and be like, nah, because they can't figure out whether I'm a real guy or a machine. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. Well, we're going to take a break real quick, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to get more heavy into these questions uh, with Robert Smith. And we're back with Robert Smith, entrepreneur, uh, building brands as a fair entertainer. Um, one of the things I want to talk about, Robert, if it's fine, I want to go into this transition from fairs doing traditional marketing right. into social media marketing and what's happening and what's not happening i know you give presentations at these are they um 
you had talked about it earlier. So it's like fair organizations that you give these social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's conventions. Just like, I mean, you know, when you look at like major conventions and trade shows like CES and things like that, fairs have the same thing. Like um, we just got done with uh, IAFE on uh, Thanksgiving weekend in San Antonio where fairs from all over the, really all over the world. Like we've got people that come in from the Royal Easter Show um, in Sydney, Australia, people that come from Canada, from Mexico, from Korea, like different fairs and and they have meetings and trainings and seminars and anything from how to, like agriculturally, how to handle swine flu, the appropriate way to handle animals um, safely and humanely, to right. ticketing, to marketing, to booking entertainment. We have a trade show where whether you supply ribbons for fairs or entertainment for fairs or you supply, you know, ATMs or what, all of that. All, everything fairs are at these conventions. And so next week, um, ne- on Tuesday, I'll be in Reno and uh, for the Western Fairs Association. And we're doing, I'll be doing my social media 434 presentation. And that is, um, now, because I think this will help a lot of business owners. Um, we know Blockbuster, we know what happened there. They like, oh, people will come to me, they'll get the DVD, they'll take it home, and then Netflix right. comes on the scene. So, and I feel like fairs are kind of in that transitional period. For sure. Um, could you explain a little bit of that, go into that yeah. part? Well, and here's, and you mentioned Blockbuster. Here's what's interesting. Businesses are not taking, uh, and fairs are part of the, and it's not just fairs, fairs, Fortune 100 companies are not taking the internet and social media seriously. Like, let's be honest, Redbox should have been a blockbuster box. Yes. Right? Right. Like Airbnb, Marriott should have started that. Mears mm-hmm. Taxi Cabs should have started Uber. Yes. Uh, they didn't. And, and there's that's one reason like when you look at something like you know you get Ryan's toy reviews on on YouTube the the kid's like nine years old and he makes like 20 million dollars a year it's crazy but yeah and I only know about him because my kid's eight and is like dad check out this toy that Ryan's playing with and I'm like who's Ryan and as I research and learn about him I'm like this is amazing because that's one of those things that Toys R Us should have operated that channel and said we're gonna bring Ryan in and pay him you know 50 grand a year and give him all the toys he wants and we're gonna take the 20 million yes but but people they're not now other things played into toys r us and them going under a lot of wall street and uh, investing stuff did them in but when you look at fairs in this whole digital transition as human beings we are over the last decade have completely shifted how we communicate right. we now create i forget what the exact number is but i've heard something quoted this and if we now replicate all the history of mankind every 48 hours like that's how much content we are putting out right, on right. the internet now. That's crazy. Um, and and fairs, it, fairs are starting to get it. Some I, the fairs that I I refer to as corporate fairs, like the majors, like the OC fair in California, LA County fair, state fair, tech, them big ones that are not just a fair, but they are they do 500 events a year at their their right. area. Um, they're starting to get it, but there is definitely a a slower element to the adoption of this. And when we're thinking about how we adopt technology or how we adopt a new way of communicating or anything like that, you've got early adopters, late adopters, and you've got forced adopters. Right. Most of the fair industry is a late adopter with a huge chunk of, uh, of that ending up in being forced adopters. Um, there's still fairs that for a long time that think that um, 
Walgreens used to be in the in the game where they would sell tickets for you. So if you were a small fair, obviously having point of sale equipment, having box office hours, right. having to pay somebody to be in there. When you're a small fair, that's expensive. And so when Walgreens got in, Walgreens got in the game. Uh, I don't know, ten or twelve years ago, where however long it was, that was convenient because there's I mean there's a Walgreens on every corner every, in America, right. right? And so if you needed someone to stop and get a ticket that they could do that and then they fairs had a deal with Walgreens where they'd split the profits or whatever um, but we're in 2019 like mm-hmm. the the decision maker the primary decision maker for people that attend fairs are the, are, are moms and soccer moms are the like they make the decision for whether the family's That's going the to the fair audience. that is your main target audience now the nice thing with social media is you can segment out all of your audiences mm-hmm. um, but it, when you know when you think about soccer moms the, and these aren't we are not in an era anymore where women just sit at home and cook dinner and wait for their husbands to come home they're working they're busy they're getting it done and so what do you think from a marketing standpoint is more effective sending a message out that says hey busy soccer mom we know that you gotta you're working you know 40 hours a week and you got to get the kids to soccer practice and pick them up from school and get the homework done and somewhere in there you got to pack their lunches but by the way could you swing by walgreens and stand in line and get a ticket to our fair or since it's 2019 you wait until that mom has got the kids in bed. She's sitting in her pajamas in bed, swiping through her Facebook feed. She sees your commercial that says $10 off ride bands, 24 hours only. She clicks one button and she's got the got them purchased for everybody. Which do you think is more preferable? Right. And and you've got fairs that's that just, they're not they're not wanting to pick that up yet, and so. Um, you know, when you get going in the big scheme of things with fairs, I, you know, I like to look at it for marketing from a standpoint of, do we market as businesses or do we market as human beings? Right. Uh, 10 years ago, I think even as early as 10 years ago and before you market as a business, like there was a prescribed way a business should do their business. Right. Right. Of course. But it's funny to me. One of the things I'll ask people when I do my presentations is, you know, if you, um, if you're driving down the street and you're looking at other people in cars, what are the passengers in the cars looking at? Well, what yeah, are they? Their phones. Their phones. Right. They're not looking at the billboards that you're spending right. tens of thousands of dollars on. Right. Now, and I always give the caveat, like, there are fairs that say, well, we do billboards because we get an in-trade. Any, if you can get an in-trade where there's no cash out of pocket, maybe you give away, you know, 50 passes to a radio station or something, or there's right, something going. Right. Free is good. Like, right. if you can get radio ads and they'll do an in-trade, in-trades are awesome. Take it. But, you know, if you watch TV, you watch your favorite shows, whether it's, you know, Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad back in the day or whatever it was. Has it been that long on Breaking Bad that I can say back in the day? <laughs> back in the Sorry. day. Sorry. <laughs> right? If Stephen Michael... It seems that way. If, I mean, if Stephen Michael Casada is listening, I apologize, my man. We're not that old yet. Um, but, I mean, you get my point. Like, when you're, when you're seeing these shows, right, you're, most people are watching them on their time. You know what I mean? Like... We fast forward through commercials or we watch Netflix or, or Amazon Prime or something like I don't honestly remember the last time I actually watched a television commercial. And yet our fares collectively mm-hmm. are spending millions of dollars right. collectively right. to put ads out on TV. And and I don't want to seem like I'm just – but and that's my thing. Like as a human being, we all admit we're not really watching commercials anymore. But then as business people were like, let's go buy a TV commercial. Right. Well, that doesn't make sense. And you're, the creative agencies out there are like, yeah, but if they don't see 
the commercial. They'll they'll hear the commercial. Right. And I'm like, I want to be like, yeah, that's nice, Earl. But if they don't see <laughs> half my, my, if they don't get half my message, are you going to give me fifty percent discount? Right. Exactly. Of course they're not. Like, let's be realistic. <laughs> right. Um, and and I don't want to seem like I just bash traditional media. Like, it's not just traditional. Right. The worst buy in marketing right now are programmatic banner ads and digital banner ads. Right. Like. When was the last time, and you work in media, when was the last time you went to krqe.com and you were reading a story, a sports story or something, and you swiped down and you went, oh, this ad looks interesting, let me click, click on, on it. Click on it, right, yeah. Exactly. You don't, nobody no. does. In fact, the, I, I will put my entire career on the line for this. The majority, of, overwhelming majority of clicks on banner ads and pop-up ads are because we're trying to close the ad, but our thumb is kind of fat and right, that X is small yeah. and you launch it anyway and you're right. like ah now you're annoyed because this brand's commercial has popped up and you're like now oh, I gotta close this and then other pop-ups come up right I think as business people we need to debate the value of an impression mm, that's like good. right if yeah, exactly. you put it out there and you go oh you know you're you're sitting your business office over on uh, you know in downtown Albuquerque you're looking at things going man hey Earl look at all these these clicks we got on our ad right meanwhile 90% of the people that clicked hate you because <laughs> yeah. you have now taken their time they right. want their 20 seconds back that they had spent trying to close and get back to what they were doing. Right, a game or whatever it may be. Yeah. Whatever it is, you know, and as advertisers and marketers, like, it is our job to interrupt people. But this mm -hmm. is why Facebook's ad product, the greatest ad product ever created, because once, especially once the ad went from being on the side right. to being in stream, mm -hmm. it's seamless. If you want to just keep zipping by, keep zipping by. Right. You're, it's already going in the direction you're swiping anyway. And when you start to look really deep into Facebook's ad products, the unpublished posts, the tracking pixel, there's nothing that can match it. Right, exactly. Now you have the ability to, you have, they own Instagram, so you can go there. 100%. Their audience network is huge. 100%. Um, so, you know, I, I, and I think a lot of people don't understand um, that, and whether it's fairs or whether it's businesses, maybe your business and you've relied on traditional media. I always tell people, take a percentage of that and, and you know, make sure you have a good, agency that's doing it for you um, but take a percentage of that and be consistent but I feel and and you can talk about this with your brand um, I feel the most important thing that you can do is consistently post 100% yes yes we <laughs> yeah it is and and we see and it's actually it's really important to the to the algorithm um, mm -hmm. we see fairs and and if fairs want to be like we don't do that but I'm like I, I probably there's like 18 Quadrillion fairs and festivals, but I focus on probably about 250 of them throughout the year. Not that I work for, I'd love to do 250 fairs a year. I would retire after five years and be good. But I watch them and I see what they're doing, what acts they're bringing in, how they're right. posting, whatnot. The overwhelming majority of fairs get super busy 30 days before their fair and then their fair ends and they're done. And the problem is when they don't post but five times for the rest of the year, when it's time to ramp up again for right, next year, right. Facebook's algorithm sees they haven't been getting any traction. We're downranking them. They're obviously, people obviously don't want to see them. Right. So yeah, posting regularly, super important. And the other thing that needs to happen for businesses, quit asking for sales. Mm, yes, I, yes. Some of your audience, I guarantee you listening to that, just might have just switched <laughs> to a different podcast. They're like, who is this moron saying don't ask for the sale? No, no, no. It's not that I'm saying don't ask for the sale. Every single post doesn't need to be buy something. Right. Like, exactly. it, it's interesting. You know, we talk again about the difference between 
being a, marketing is a human and marketing is a business. Well, when you go to these trade shows, like at IEFE, anybody who exhibits will tell you by the third day of the trade show, fair managers are walking around either without badges on or with their badges turned backward because they're tired of being hassled because people just stand in their booths and try and cram their flyers and, you know, here, book me, book me, book me, you know, here, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And fair managers get tired. As human beings, right, they get of tired of it. Right. But then you go audit their Facebook pages, and in the month leading up to their fair, every single post, buy a ticket, buy a ticket, buy a ticket. Right. They yeah. do the same thing that we do, mm-hmm. and we miss that we do one thing as humans, we do a different thing as businesses. What I think businesses should do is you need to look within your realm, whatever your ecosphere is, and you need to create content that is valuable to your consumer. Right. In the case of the fairs, I think super valuable content would be videos that say, um, you know, hey, busy soccer mom, um, here we know you've got a lot to do. Here's the easiest way to get through our fair and literally create a video. Here's how to park. Here's what you need to have with all this stuff that right. soccer moms go, oh, I didn't realize I could use that parking lot like I always go to the main lot. I didn't realize I could use this satellite lot and it's easier. You know, explain your park and ride, explain buying tickets, explain how the ride bands, give them a complete sense of what to expect right, right. Um, and create content that is valuable. If you are, uh, and parking is huge. In most fairs, whether you've got construction in the area or not, most fairs, just like here in New Mexico, the traffic pattern changes. Um, and so I think a video that says, if you're coming into the state fair from this direction, this direction, the, here's what you need to do. Here's what you should, right. that's exactly. valuable content. Mm-hmm. Instead, they post a picture of a Ferris wheel and say, five days till fair, do you got your tickets yet? Here's a link to buy your tickets. They're always asking. Right, and, and, and my, never giving value. Not giving value, and my thing, one of the reasons, like I don't, I give all my marketing stuff away for free. Like if somebody, I've consulted for fairs, where they're like, what do we do about this? And I'll spend an hour on the phone with them. I'll help create video for them. I'll help do things. I don't charge for that. Now, if your business is marketing, and that's what that's easy for me because I make my dollars as an entertainer. So it's a little easier for me to do that. But giving value, giving more than you're taking from something right. is always a good idea. So what do you think, uh, let me ask you this, Robert. What do you think, the do, do these fair officials, I guess they're called officials, yeah. Um, or, or, or a board, I guess, or however it is. Do they walk to the fairgrounds? Do they walk to the fair with the lens of a soccer mom? Is the fair ran like a the like how a soccer mom would want to be at a fair? It's a really good question. And you would think that it, it. I can tell you this: if I was on a board, I would be walking around a fair and I would spend an hour going, "Okay, if I was a soccer mom, what would I feel about this experience?" Right. And then a couple hours later, I'd walk around and say, "Okay, if I was in a wheelchair, how would I feel about this yes, experience?" Exactly. Um, or how about if I was Native American or African American, or if I had a baby, or if I had a child with disabilities who was, um, you know, if they're autistic and they get on sensory overload, what am I? Where do I go? Um, the New Mexico State Fair added a sensory uh, room at the fair the last few oh, years, awesome. where, and my only my only semi complaint on it is just, and this is just based on the layout of the fairgrounds. This is not their fault. Um, you can't just pick buildings up and move them. It is kind of tucked away in a corner that if you don't spot, and they do have a really big sign for it now. Um, this year they did, but if you don't realize it's there, um, you might miss it. But it's a room that's got subdued lighting. That's got um, like a little ball pit set up. There's a little. There's some couches. There's some where if you've got 
an autistic kid or you have you yourself just completely go on overload I mean fairs are like they're high stimulus right, there's right. music there's magicians there's racing pigs there's people yelling there's <laughs> horns honking there's rides ringing and like lights flashing so the New Mexico State Fair does the sensory room which is a huge hit because people can take their with their little one and kind of calm everybody down whereas in before the sensory room started becoming a thing in our industry you do it might be one o'clock you might have only gotten there at 11 it's one o'clock your kid has a meltdown it's over yeah, you're, you're and you're done and now you're trying you to get out right yeah and now you take them in there for 10 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever and they hit the reset button and you're good you're good right um so do they i think i think overall as a general rule no they don't but i do think that there are really good board members out there that understand what their mission is in agricultural education that's what these fairs are here for right um, and that that mission includes making sure people have fun on the midway and have a good experience at their event overall and so I think there are people that walk through and go you know how would if somebody's in a wheelchair can they get to this show easily or do they have to go way down to that handicap ramp accessible right. ramp and then turn around and come way back or like and if that's the case is there something we can do is there a can we put in a temporary ramp off this curb right here with uh, you know a metal ramp so they can access easily these are questions that when you're running a business especially as a major event you have to ask yeah and I think it I think the fairs have a lot um, in common with the car industry I've, I've talked to several people in the car industry and I tell them the same thing their service department primarily is women women will be extremely loyal to to the brand 100% bring their cars back and it's like it's all dealerships are masculine in nature Yes, you know, and it's yes. the same when you when you brought up something. Every soccer mom that I know I've ever talked to, they all love the aspect of being able to take their kids to see the animals. Yeah, you know, is that set up in a masculine show animal way, or is it set up? You, you know what I mean? Sure, or is it set and that up just depends because for the for the majority of fairs, um, they're set up in the way when you're talking about like if you're talking about a petting zoo most petting zoos are set up the same um with whoever's you're contracting to bring your petting zoo in but when you're talking about um the animals themselves like where the barns are those are set up in traditional barns and stalls configurations at almost every fair you go to um and so i i think how you set things up um like you say with your soccer moms they like they're the main decision makers so yeah should we think about how our layout and how our design and how everything looks and is it welcoming to families and like i can't tell you just this past year at the state fair down main street they added um these lights that kind of chris zigzag back and forth all the way down the street right um and they've got this nice warm orangey yellow glow they're not bright white leds and it makes it really you walk down that street on an evening at the state fair with your family and you get a nice um warm september evening in new mexico and it is a beautiful environment it really is yeah, it sets a nice welcoming right. tone now we've got I, i've I, you know i know a lot of people will kind of um have said negative things about the state fair and even i have from years ago but I can tell you this, with the changes they've made, with what Dan Warning and his team have done, we have one of the most beautiful fairgrounds in the country. That's awesome. And I'm on a lot of fairgrounds throughout the year. And I would put, I would happily, as far as, if there was a contest for who's got the most beautiful grounds, 
I don't know if we would win, but I would happily be the one to nominate this fair. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you're making me really want to go, and I hope everybody goes on this coming up year. I want to ask you, you know, a couple more questions. We're telling up on the hour here. Um, if you had a magic wand, I always ask everyone this, if you had a magic wand, uh, what would you change about your business? <laughs> I love that you asked the magic wand thing, considering it started with the magic wand. <laughs> I didn't even think about the, that one. There, <laughs> right? There is, uh, there is regrettably, um, there is regrettably no more magic wand. Um, two years ago, um, I stopped doing the magic almost right. entirely. Um, I actually did should, had one a New Year's Eve gig this year in Kansas City where I was hired to do some strolling magic. Um, and because it was for a friend of mine, um, it was actually the guy who came up with Conjure Machine that I did it. But otherwise, I don't do magic anymore. Um, it just got, you know, um, it like I said, it, with Conjure taking off the way it is, it's not right. not feasible to continue rehearsing magic shows when Conjure is making uh, making the impact that it is. Um, but you don't need a magic wand um, for the business, you, like if. You don't have to change. You don't have to look back. I think looking back is um, how do I put this? I think when you look back on, on your business and you say, "Oh, what would I change?" I think that can lead to regret, mm -hmm. and I think regret that builds up like that can be poison, and mm -hmm. I think it can yes. actually cause more harm than good. Um, so forget the magic wand. You are absolutely one hundred percent in control of your life, of your business. Uh, make a change, right. like. I think I, love that. I yeah. think people are it's that simple. <laughs> it, no, it really is. Like I know, I, and I know people are out there like, yeah, easy for you to say, but like, it really is because you you don't want to make the change because you're worried about what someone else is going to say about it. You're worried about you might fail. Right. You're worried that your mom or your dad is going to be like, see, you failed. We told you you sucked and you should have gone to law school. Right. Like. If I counted and I worried about the number of times I have failed, I would not be here. I would not be, I wouldn't have, I would probably wouldn't be married, probably wouldn't have an amazing son, probably wouldn't, like, I wouldn't have a good business. Like, I, I think, and I forget whether it was Simon Sinek or who said it, but you need to fail faster. Right, exactly, yeah. I, you know, it's, people look at, at, you know, Success, and they look at guys that were like Steve Jobs and and Tony Robbins and these major successful entrepreneurs, and they go, "Man, I need to be like that." And then if they're not like that in six months, they're like, "God, I suck." Do you know how many times Tony Robbins failed, or or Simon Sinek failed, or Gary Vaynerchuk failed on the coming up? Like, oh right, over and over and over, and they went, "Okay, next." Right. Like there are multi-millionaires and billionaires out there who have failed. In fact, not only millionaires and billionaires, I, nowhere near making that money, but I have failed more times than most people have tried. I think any entrepreneur that is um, doing it right, they know that you get to a point and, and you're at that level, you know, we, we've talked for quite a bit, you're at that level where you could, you fail, you recognize it, you're self-aware, and then you pivot and you change yes it's you were a magician and then you're like that's not gonna work right let's let me pivot let me be creative and let me do this wow right this is amazing it's working great. yes and you say you nailed it self-awareness I looked at my magic show and for a magician typically what we do is we perform our show or we do our rehearsal we videotape a lot of it we go back and look we learn the angles we learn the rhythm where they were performing at whatnot and we did and then we adjust and we create a better act 
I am not so naive to go, oh, I was one of the best in the fair industry. No way. One of the best performers in the fair industry is a guy named Cardeni. He's a friend of mine. He works for Disney. He's based out of Orlando. Absolutely incredible performer. If you lined 100 fair magicians up while I was doing magic, I would be probably between number 50 and 60. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, I had this self-awareness and like, my show was fun. The personality in the show was fun. Right. But like, I wasn't David Copperfield. You know what I mean? Like, it was, right, right, right. It was what it was. But to recognize that I was not getting traction fast enough, that this was good, but it wasn't enough. Right, right. So go to something else and see what you can create. And ultimately that pivot for me, creating this fortune machine, changed the whole game for me. Mm. I do things now, friend, like I never would have done this play with giants thing where we have giant game rentals and we take, we literally now for play with giants, we will go to fairs and set up between two and 4,000 square feet of giant games and hands-on interactive puzzles and things like that. And it's an always open attract. I never would have done that if Conjurer hadn't come along because I would have been in this, I'm a magician, this is what I do. Right. No, 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 no. In the fair industry, I'm a service provider. I provide solutions for fairs. And fairs might need a little happen upon attraction. Right. That's what I call Conjurer. Things like, any street act, stilt walkers, were happen upon. Because people happen upon you and they interact with you for two or three minutes or five minutes and they go about their day. Right. But had, that, had Conjurer not happened and I hadn't opened myself to that, I wouldn't have gone and built Play With Giants. It's an always out open attraction. Mm. And now when fairs go, man, we've got that space in our exhibit hall that we can't ever get sold. It's about 2,500 square feet. What the heck do we do with it? Oh, check this out. We can put this fun game area inside mm. the expo hall now and draw people in there. And in the process, that's more people that are wandering around looking at the vendors and keeps them happy. Oh, so see, now I've provided a solution. When I quit, and one of the things that my age, my previous agent told me he said, you have to quit thinking like a magician and you have to start thinking like an entertainer and a service provider. And when I started doing that, that pivot changed my career. Mm, that's awesome. Well, that's all for today's episode of Albuquerque Business Podcast. I'm going to thank you guys for listening and thank you, Robert. Thank you. Uh, let's get um, your, you, I know I saw you on your Instagram. Yeah. What is your Instagram? Okay. So if you're looking for social media marketing, things like that, inspiration, motivation, at meet robert smith across all the platforms if you want to check out the entertainment stuff it's at instagram and uh, facebook or at conjurer fortune machine and uh play with giants is at play with giants on facebook and, and instagram then the great videos that i saw those and i think it, we provide a lot of value if they go to it it's at the meet robert yeah all the like those videos that not talk m-e-a-t yeah not me <laughs> i'm not i don't work out that hard <laughs> Uh, it's me. But yeah, me, two E's. I need I need to come up with something different for that. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Robert. I appreciate you My being pleasure. on the show today. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Please make sure you click subscribe. We're going to have some amazing content this year. You don't want to miss it. See ya.